Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hello, everybody. It's Liam. I am hopping on right before your regularly scheduled episode to say thank you. That's because over the last month on this podcast, we have absolutely shattered records and numbers like beyond my wildest dreams and, you know, craziest imaginations for this podcast. And it's all really thanks to you guys. So let me just read a couple of numbers for you all so you guys can get a really good understanding of, you know, exactly what I'm talking about here. So between May and June, we nearly doubled our average monthly listeners. We took it from about 700 monthly listeners to nearly 1,400, again, all within a month. And on our social media pages, man, you guys absolutely shattered those numbers like by a long shot. We increased our monthly reach on our social media pages by, get this, guys, 500%. That's nearly 35,000 new people who have seen our posts, you know, seen those stories that we have shared with you all and, you know, got involved in what you all have been involved in for nearly six months now. And so, you know, I just have to say thank you all for listening, for supporting this podcast, for telling your friends about this podcast, for caring about the stories that we're telling you all about, for caring about the people who are involved. It means absolutely everything to me, and I know it means absolutely everything to the people who are deeply and intricately connected to the cases that we've shared with you all. And I just have to say that we are just getting started on this podcast. We have so many more great stories to tell you all about, so much more good to do. And we were able to do that all because of you guys. And I cannot say how grateful and thankful I am enough. I started this podcast just as, you know, a good idea to hopefully, you know, get some stories out there that I knew weren't getting enough traction. And it just means the world that to me that you guys are all getting involved and investing yourselves into these stories just as much as I have. And so, I have a great story to tell you all about right now, so let's get going, and here is your regularly scheduled episode of Crime Over Wine. Hello! 
Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 25th episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and this week, my guest co-host is one of my former bosses from back in the day. She is the queen of New Jersey, so Teresa Judice, you better watch out. She is Jackie Bardick. Hello, Jackie. How are you? Hi, Liam. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. It's so good to see you. So, Jackie and I first met like 10 years ago is that right i'm doing that math correctly i think it was like 10 years ago jackie and she was my manager at journeys in daybreak connecticut back when i was back in high school and i was that was grinding on that part-time job jackie was my boss but we quickly became like besties too like in a way i'm like here we are right so yeah liam was always the best to work with i'm so excited Uh, that we kept in touch after all this time ah yay well you know just blowing up my spot love that so um one of the things i was realizing i was like you know what i don't think like well i in fact i know jackie and i like never just like sat around and drink glass of wine together and so i am so excited to finally be able to do that on this podcast same yeah, you were not of age, legal drinking age, when we right. worked together. So, um, happy 21st. It's long overdue. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, very, very true. Okay, well, on that note, let's just, like, bust it open. I'm so excited for this. So, this week, we are drinking Yes Way Rosé. It's a classic dry rosé from the south of France, light-bodied with a bright, vibrant finish. Like, what a way to describe that. Like, right? Like, I was having so much fun reading that. That was so fun. So, v- bright, vibrant finish. I'm really excited to see what that's all about. I am too. Honestly, I'm such a sucker for packaging. And I went into the store and I (laughs) saw this bottle and I was like, this is absolutely something that I would have bought myself even without your direction. (laughs) That's so true. So yeah, just for like the, for for reference, so like the Yes Way Rosé definitely gives like, you know, like millennial kind of like rosé bottle, like packaging, all that stuff. Um, And then it's like, like rose pink, like at the top too, like the, the cap too. So this is definitely giving rosé all day, for sure. The bottle jumped out at me off the shelf. Super cute. (laughs) Yeah, super cute. Well, cheers to you, Jackie. So good to see you. Cheers. Oh, you have the same glass, too, kind of, almost. Oh, yours is, like, designed. Mine says, that's what I do. I drink and I know things. Game of Thrones. You know, I never got into Game of Thrones, like, at all. It's one of those shows that I, like, resisted for a while because there was so much Mm. talk about it. Like, Mm -hmm. I wanted to push back. And then once I watched it, I'm like... Oh, it really is good. Mm. Yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah, that was I was the same way with The Office. I never watched The Office until it was like long over and like on Netflix and stuff. And then I started watching it, and I was like, "Oh, this is why everyone talked about how great this show was because it's really funny." Yeah, there's so many shows like that for me. Yeah. I never like really delved into The Office, but I've watched some episodes and like I get it. I'm just I'm yeah. still resisting. Listen, I love The Office more than like literally anything in the entire world. Like I could go back and watch any episode and laugh just hard as the first time I did it if I was watching the 20th time like it's just one of those shows for me god love some Michael Scott yeah oh you have to you have to appreciate some Michael Scott you also have to appreciate this wine I do feel like so the so light bodied is a great way to describe this it's very light going off the tongue for sure which I like in a rosé which I really really like in a rosé yeah you know what I know you're a red wine guy and mm-hmm. you sent me to the liquor store to buy rosé and I was super confused but this is like <laughs> this is my jam I like like yeah. a dry white or pink wine mm-hmm. this is absolutely perfect we'll buy this again it is definitely one of the driest rosés i've ever had in my entire life too um which is one of the reasons why i typically try to stay away from rosés because i feel like the majority of them are pretty sweet um but this is a very dry light it's i mean a bright vibrant finish is like a really actually a great way to describe it so it also has notes of strawberry citrus and 
white peach. So there you go. I also, I definitely get that strawberry for sure. The white peach too. Citrus, I don't really get. I feel like, like citrus is a bit of a bolder flavor than what I'm getting here. It's so funny because it doesn't say that on my bottle. Really? Yeah. On the back? No, it doesn't say that. What? That's so weird. Right? Mine doesn't say literally anything. <laughs> Anything about any flavors. Wait, what does it say? That doesn't say anything? Um, no, it says this modern and refreshing dry rosé made in the south of France comes to you from Erica and Nikki, best friends, on a mission to make quality rosé that's full of personality. Oh, wow. Only one gram of sugar. Typical warnings, how much alcohol. Literally doesn't say anything about, like, flavors, notes, anything like that. It's weird. That is really weird. I wonder if that has something to do with, like, where it's made, or, like, maybe they were just like, hey, let's just, like, change the, the label. Yeah, it could know. be. Um, wait, what year is yours? Now I'm curious. Oh, it is 2022. Oh, mine's 2021. Maybe that's why. Oh, yeah, they moved to change the label. So, there you go. Mystery so First mystery solved of the day. There we, uh, go. we, look do, us go. we, we Look at us go. We do have a second one to get to, though. As, long, yes. as much as I would love to sit here and talk about wine with you, we have a lot to talk about here. So, yes, are you ready we do. This? I sure am. So, Jackie, this week I have to tell you a story that truly chills me, and I think it will chill you, too. A young, innocent boy was brutally murdered, and for decades we had no idea who he was. Until recently, just within the last few months, police have finally been able to put a name to his face. This week, Jackie, I want to tell you the story of Joseph Zarelli, the boy in the box. Before I begin, I do feel the need to say that this story involves pretty severe violence to children, and we're going to go into pretty, you know, intimate detail. And so if that's not usually the kind of story you like to listen to, I would suggest skipping this week. But I would really recommend all of my Northeast listeners, especially those who have ties to the Philadelphia, New Jersey area, to listen to this story, because we still have a lot of questions that we need to be answered. And you or someone you know and love may be unknowingly holding on to a vital clue. We're beginning this week in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on February 23rd, 1957. A hunter is traversing through the thick woods off of an isolated remote road when he sees something really peculiar. It's a piece of trash, a box a bit bigger than a shoebox. And so he takes a closer look at what he discovered, and inside the box is something truly unmistakable. It's the deceased body of a young boy, and he is in rough shape. The boy is naked, no children's clothing anywhere in sight. He had bruises all over his body and face. The medical examiner would later say it was evidence of repeated and extensive physical abuse. He had cuts and scars, specifically ones on his ankle, groin, and an L-shaped one on his chin. The boy is wrapped in a flannel, multicolored blanket and appeared to be freshly groomed, but poorly. He was pretty clean, but he looked like he had a recent haircut that was really crudely done and badly cut fingernails, too. The medical examiner believes that the haircut and fingernail trimming possibly could have been done after this young boy had already been dead. As a mom, this is, like, horrifying to listen to. Why would you cut their fingernails and, like, clean them up after you 
could have done something that horrific to them. Yeah, that's... Mm. And, like, again, so, like, they're saying that, like, I guess the, the medical examiner saying that it's possible that that all could have happened afterwards, but it also could have been happened, like, right before kind of thing. So, I mean, but point being is, like, they clearly, like, tried but failed to take care of them in, in some sort of way. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they are trying to, 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 you know, trim up their fingernails, but, like, they do it badly. And, like, you know, then I guess afterwards, like, you know, beat them because you did it badly or something. You know what I mean? Like, that that's kind of where my mind goes. But, I mean, you're right. I can't imagine, you know, again, being in your shoes, being a mom and, like, hearing about this. It's just... Ugh. Yeah, honestly, like, terrifying. Yeah, well, it's interesting because this hunter does not call this discovery into the police. He had muskrat traps with him, and they were, I guess, illegal at the time, and he was afraid they would be confiscated by the police if they came out there, which, to be clear, is the stupidest fucking reason I've ever heard not to call police about anything, let alone a dead toddler, but, like, okay, glad you got to keep your muskrats, buddy. Yeah, nobody cares about your muskrats. There's a dead kid nobody cares about your freaking muskrats. Yeah. I never understand why people think that just because they're doing something that's, like, illegal that mm. everyone's gonna care when there's something that's so yeah. much worse happening. Right. Like, just right. <laughs> do the right thing. Yeah, exactly. Show that you're a good person yeah. and they'll, you know, not care about your muskrats, dude. Yeah, like, police are gonna really come all the way out there to call of a, of a dead boy and they're gonna be like, okay, cool, 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 but this guy's got some muskrat traps. Like, I let's go, let's go after the real problem. In this <laughs> Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, the priorities. Yeah, man. Uh, but, like, to your point, though, like, why, like, it, it makes just makes me so mad in general when, like, you hear these stories and they're just like, you know, oh, but, like, they could have gotten it. But the person who, the only person who heard them scream, like, didn't call police. And it's like, pfft. Well, okay, like, to, to be clear, like, I, like, if I hear, like, a weird knock at the door, like, I'm calling the cops. Like, I don't Same. understand these people who don't do that. Same. I see somebody, like, run past my house, and I'm like, what are they running from? Like, <laughs> who yeah, am I seriously. to call? Like, right. You never know. Yeah, it's also, too, like, my, the other part of my brain is, like, I really want to be at, you know, these people's levels of just, like, pure bliss and pure, like, non-anxiety in their worlds, because, like, I'm, like, my anxious brain can't handle that like at all i would never be able to forgive myself no but we listen to true crime and talk about true crime true. too much to not be like paranoid and thinking the worst true. which is why Good i point. also need wine yeah very very true yeah yeah that's why i drink and that's why i watch true crime docs like every single day so absolutely liam exactly that, that. <laughs> <laughs> well it's not totally clear from my research how police even like know about this guy but i'm assuming he called it in much later on like after police were asking for information maybe as like a hey just so you know like you may find my footprints or dna or something out there but like just so you know i'm totally innocent kind of thing i don't know but like whatever that's the last time we hear from this guy like good riddance as far as i'm concerned but luckily for literally everyone except for our next character two days later a student at LaSalle college is driving when he sees a rabbit running into an underbrush and he i guess knows this area pretty well and knows that there are traps or he luckily decides to save the rabbit, so he parks his car and goes searching through the brush when he finds that J.C. Penny box, peeks inside, and sees the boy's lifeless body. And so I guess pe people are like, 
particularly nervous about the police in Philadelphia around this time because he says even he was also initially reluctant to call about his discovery, um, but eventually it does after he heard about the disappearance of Mary Jane Barker, who was another toddler who had recently went missing in Belmar, New Jersey. I don't know anything about that other case, and I've lived here my entire life. I don't know who Mary Jane Barker is. Yeah, so it, like, again, like, deserves its own episode kind of thing, um, but, like, basically she went missing for a couple of days and then was found in, like, like locked in a closet in like a vacant home um and they found that she died because she had starved to death um because she got locked in there so all of these people who are torturing children have like a special place in hell like what are you doing oh they they discover with with her they discover that she like wandered into the house and like locked herself in the closet like she couldn't get out of the closet so this was like total freak out okay but they did investigate it for a really long time as like a really like um like a mysterious death kind of thing but they determined that nobody was involved okay still super sad but like yeah ah yeah point being is like i don't understand like why people are not calling police about dead kids like i really yes call the police like let this is a psa to everyone out there if you find a dead child in the woods call 911 a, a dead human in the woods like nobody cares that yeah. you're smoking a little weed or like you know out there for yeah. whatever reasons like there's a dead body and like they, that definitely takes priority over whatever yeah, you're doing for <laughs> real for real. and like also i think noted notable i guess so you know like this was again 1957 and so like they had to go home and like or go to find a payphone to like go find pol- to like go call police so like it's not like you know today like you can call 911 right then and there but like so i guess i just don't I don't know, but that even makes me, like, wonder even more, because it's, like, you can go home, like, get, like, Hunter, dude, like, you can go home, get rid of your freaking muskrats, and, like, you know, and then call police, like, why, like, why did that not happen? Anyways, I'll never get over that freaking muskrat, dude, like, I'm... 100%, like, I feel like the fact that they don't have cell phones and are wandering through, like, the woods, Mm -hmm. and they find a dead body, and they just, like, hang out there and collect muskrats, like, no, like, I would be running for the hills back to my, my landline phone to call somebody, because, like... What if the person is still out there? Yeah. Oh, right. I didn't even think about that. Very, very true. But, like, also, too, from, like, this muskrat dude's perspective, I'm, like, 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 I am thinking, like, they, I just am wondering, like, from a police, from a police mind, like, you look at dude who didn't call police planting muskrats kind of dumb, like, like, is that, like, I wonder how much they looked into him, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, as, like, a potential suspect. I was there, I didn't call you, but, like, I'm totally innocent. Yeah, yeah, but just so you know, I'm, like, I'm, we're, we're good. Yeah, we're good. I was there, I was just, just collecting my muskrats, like. Yeah, just don't look in my muskrat closet. You don't bother me, I won't bother you. What the hell even is a muskrat? I'm looking at what a muskrat even looks like, I don't even know what a muskrat, oh, god. Oh, it's like a little beaver thing. Uh, okay, well, I mean, funny enough, I'm actually, like, recording this right now in my ferret's bedroom. Um, and you look like you're sitting in a closet, so... I am. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm even more annoyed right now that this guy's, like, collecting muskrats, like, in the woods. Like, is he hurting them? Because, like, I love all the animals. <laughs> Let's get back to, um, to this case. So, police finally go out to the scene three days after that dumb freaking hunter, who I'm never going to get over, initially found this young boy's dead body. The medical examiner estimates that the boy is between the ages of four and six and had died anywhere from three days to two weeks before he was found. 
The boy had blue eyes, is about 30 pounds, and almost three and a half feet tall. The medical examiner again says that the boy looked like he had suffered from severe physical abuse, but most of the cuts that we talked about before were likely surgical. The boy was severely malnourished and had a subdural hemorrhage or bleeding between the brain and the skull and pleural effusions, a buildup of fluid between the layers of tissue that line the lungs and the chest cavity. The medical examiner said he likely died from multiple blows to the head, a homicide. That is crazy. That kid is the size of my son right now. Like, I can't even imagine how you can hurt something that is so, like, innocent and helpless. Like, that's Mm. wild to me. Yeah, and do it over and over and over and over and over again, too. Yeah, what did this kid go through for three, four years? Yeah. That doesn't just start one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what kind of gets me in. Like, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, but, like, how, like, the age that this happened, like, at the time it happened, and, like... I guess, I like, based on, like, what we know so far, like, I guess I could, like, see a world where, like, a really sick human being, like, does this to, like, an infant kind of thing, but, like, to do this to, like, four years later, like, that's what, not that it makes it any worse or better, but, like, it's just, like, you know, it just, it just, again, kind of what you're talking about, like, makes me wonder, like, what he was going through for all, for, like, his entire life, if this is what he's going through at four years old. Yeah, listen, like, I'm, like, the realest of moms ever, like, I will tell you, like, my kid drives me crazy sometimes, he, like, <laughs> (laughs) they do they do stupid things you get really annoyed but like to like not feed your kid and like to Mm. to like abuse your kid in that kind of way like I'll sit here all day and I'll be like that that was stupid like this this kid's pissing me off right now (laughs) like you know what I mean like I'll be upfront about that but like just I don't know like hitting your child like I don't know not feeding them like locking them somewhere like I I can't even imagine, like... Well, despite exhaustive efforts, investigators are not able to determine who this young boy is. Police take fingerprints, but they don't match back to anyone in their systems, and they are even able to trace back that box that he was found in, and were able to tie it back to being bought at a J.C.'s Penny store in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, just about 45 minutes away from where this young boy's body was found. Police found that the box housed a white bassinet before it became the final resting place for our young boy. In their efforts to find the boy's name, police found Found that there were 12 of these bassinets that were sold at this store. They were able to trace back and rule out the buyers of every single one of those bassinets, except for one. They could never figure out who ended up buying that 12th bassinet. That kills me. Like, is that really the break that we never got? Yeah, possibly. Isn't that, and you know, that's because, like, I'm also wondering too, like, so this is like the 1950s, like, they couldn't have kept, kept like, that great of records and like you're able to still trace back 11 of them like that's kind of cool if you're being completely honest you know what i mean because it's like i'm sure that they were like it was literally in a notebook somewhere you know yeah well i remember oh my god i don't want to like age myself here but like at one time like when your credit card machines were down you have to like yeah. do this weird thing where you like imprint <laughs> the card and- <laughs> yeah. yeah right like i doing that like my early retail days when our systems would go down like that was the way that you like process cards once upon a time so uh, maybe 11 of those people used credit and one person paid cash mm, one used cash mm. 
Yeah, yeah true. it's even like to this yeah. day, like a lot of people don't use cash and that one person who does, like you can't trace. Yeah, and I'm also like wondering like when this when it was bought too. You know what I mean? Like I like that's like does it like line up? Like did they just buy the box because it was like just about as big as a young boy's body kind of thing? Maybe. Or did they just like have it sitting around? I mean for it to come down to like twelve purchases, like usually you hear stories like this and it's like they sold 300 of these things at Walmart. Right. And like, you know what I mean? Or 3,000. But for it to be like yeah. 12 items, like, how do you not? Yeah. Like, they're looking for like a red pickup truck and they're like, okay, well, there are only 12,846 yes. pickup trucks sold. And, you know, so yeah, totally. Yeah. That is so true, though. And like the fact that, you know, we're like, it, it, does, it does feel like right there, right? 12 bassinets. I got to be able to find all 12 of these people. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. Well, the case enthralled so many people across the area and the country, too, who just could not believe that no one had come forward to identify this beautiful young child. He became known as America's unknown child, a true testament to the number of hearts this young child's death had broken. Police were initially hopeful that they could identify him because of the attention he had received, but no one ever came forward with any sort of useful information until they finally got a pretty good tip from a bit of an unconventional source. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The initial days in the search for the boy in the box's name and killer bring up no real leads. Investigators left him in the morgue for days, allowing visitors from at least 10 different states to come and see him, including people with close connections to young missing boys in the area who were hopeful they could see some identifying mark that would point them to an identity, but none ever came. Meanwhile, police were combing through the crime scene, looking for anything that could even produce... Even the remote possibility of a lead, almost 300 officers searched through every single square inch of those woods and did find a man's blue corduroy hat that was traced back to being purchased at a store in South Philadelphia, a child's scarf, and a man's white handkerchief with the letter G embroidered in the corner. Police were also circulating tens of thousands of flyers on telephone poles and in door-to-door canvases, even sending them out with every gas bill in the city. They mainly included the same three front and profile autopsy shots of this boy, but in one round of posters, police also circulated an orchestrated photo of the boy where they dressed him up and sat him in a chair, hoping to jog some memories for people of what he may have looked like when he was still alive and... Jackie, this is, like, way too creepy. Like, I just have to show you and, you know, share some of the nightmares that I'm going to have forever. Um, So I'm saying this to you right now. I'm so scared. I don't want to see this. You should be. This is, like, the actual body of this kid. Mm-hmm. I don't like this. Oh, my God. Why would they do that? Like, that, I'm sorry, but, like, looking at that picture, 
I would not recognize anything about that. That is just like morbid, honestly. Yeah, I don't understand why they think this is going to help. Um, yeah, I mean, I know it's like a low quality photo, like because uh, it's like from the fifties. So like, sure, but like. It's still also, like, so, like, unspecific. I'm like, who's going to see that and be like, oh, yeah, that's, I think that's my kid, actually. Um, you know yeah, what I mean? Nobody. Nobody. Like, I feel like sketches would be a little yeah. more effective and, like, mm-hmm. less traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like, also, too, like, I'm sorry, but, like, this is, like, the other part of my brain goes, like, um, like, if I just, like, got this, like, if I, like, I was, like, coming home, you know, went to my mailbox and, like, saw this, like, like, you know, came home and, like, saw this flyer, like, opened up the flyer and this was the picture, I would be terrified. Like, I would, I would, th- I would honestly take that as a threat, if we're being honest. Like, I would yes. be, like, like, I would, yes. Like, I would be like, like, do you know this child? Yeah. Like, no, like, like, no, like, okay, well, you're going to, you're like, that's how I oh take my it. God. But yeah, that I mean, it's it just like, look, I'm not gonna put this on my website. I'm not putting this anywhere out the, out there for anyone for who listens to this podcast to see. But it is out there. You can definitely go see it. You can see what I'm talking about. It's definitely giving like the shining kind of deal. Yeah, I'm like, are you sure you didn't go on the dark web to find that? Because like, I feel like that's not readily available. No, it's out there. It's definitely out there. Unfortunately, so everyone has to. I might need something more than wine oh, yeah. after looking at that picture. Yeah. Like, I don't know if a bottle of wine is enough. <laughs> well, maybe we do some tequila shots after this, but like, you know, th- like different podcasts. Okay. <laughs> I'm there for that one too. Okay, cool. Well, you know, obviously there were never any good leads about who this young boy truly was from these posters. One of the medical examiners on the case, however, was particularly invested in finding out this young boy's name and background and hopefully his killer. And, you know, very easy to see that if you're a medical examiner, seeing this young boy's body murdered, you know, beaten you get invested. The examiner hired a psychic after what seemed like all scientific and investigative avenues were exhausted, and the psychic gives him a pretty significant amount of detail into who this young boy is, actually. The psychic tells the M.E. that the boy was a foster child at a foster home that was housed in a mansion that was just a mile and a half from where the boy's body was found. Did police already know about this foster home? Well, actually, they did. Investigators had already interviewed the owners of the home previously, but ended up moving on. But the M.E. latched onto this tip from the psychic. He goes back to speak with the family, looks back at old interviews, and even got in contact with the child who had stayed at the home. But one day, the medical examiner sees that the couple was moving from the home and having an estate sale, and so he decides to drop by and is looking through the house at all these items on sale when he sees exactly the clue that he had been searching for. A white bassinet, just like the one that would have been originally housed in the box where our young boy was found. Okay, wait, hold on. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't want to be that, like, skeptic person who, like, cracks on all the psychics out there, but I just instantly think to, like, Sylvia Brown, like, mm-hmm. the lady on Maury, oh, yeah. who, like, just BS people and been like, oh, your daughter is... Uh, yeah. She's alive. She's, like, right here. Like, I don't know. I just... I know... I do feel like there are some people out there who have some type of connection and have some, like, truth, but every time I hear this about, like, a homicide yeah. case, I, like, cringe so much. Side like, eye hard. Yeah, like, why are we relying on this stuff? Yeah. 
Yeah, that is kind of like the other part of my of where my brain goes to is like, okay, like if you are, you know, I would imagine that there's like the type of people in the world who go into police work, who go into, you know, um, medical examination, like, like you probably hopefully anyways, you know, rely pretty heavily on science, right? And so it just feels weird to have to go to that place. I don't know. I guess I, I guess you'd probably do, do get to a certain point where it's like, okay, well, what does it hurt if I go here? And like, you know, worst case scenario, like I waste a couple hundred bucks or whatever but i don't know it still feels like a little because it feels like those people come out of the woodwork you know what i mean like they'll 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 say whatever they want just to get your money you know like a a scammer you know will say what what, you know and i feel like that invites that kind of uh, that kind of people yeah absolutely like it just it really feels like you have to be at your breaking point like Mm. you have no other leads when you take that route on and this just feels really early on yeah to be going there like yeah and i'm not totally sure exactly what year this happened like we're like you'll see in a second like we're about to skip like 40 years so like it probably happened like somewhere within that time frame um but i don't know it evidently evidently it got to the point where like the medical examiner was like the police aren't digging anything up no one else is coming forward let me just go to a psychic like why the heck not okay cool so they show up and there's a white bassinet so i'm hoping that it's real let me get some some more wine in me before yeah. I hear the next step. Well, but also like, but just like, like to be clear. So, so like with the with the psychic, right? So like, I'm like sliding that hard. But then like you, like all these other things seem to make sense. You know what I mean? If there's a foster home right there, that like you know, if it's in a, if it's in like this mansion kind of thing, like maybe you don't really know that it exists. You know what I mean? Probably, maybe I don't know. Um, but like also too. So then he searches through the house and finds the exact white bassinet, like that is and i'm also wondering if this is the white bassinet that could have be traced like you know what i mean like that's where my brain goes to yeah so like it just so point being is like it starts off very weird but then it gets like all those boxes are checked like it seems like it lines up very well yeah that's the missing bassinet that came yeah. from the box mm, right maybe but then also so this is and this is like the wine talking for sure but it also makes me wonder too like how how like like how much did these people look into the psychic like that's just always where my my mind goes because again if you're like relying so much into the, into science right but like you like you would imagine that that type of person would be like no there's no way you could just like know this stuff like you must have intimate knowledge of this case and the only way you have intimate knowledge of this case is if you killed him honestly i didn't even think about that but you hear all the time about the person who inserts themselves in the case to like not be Exactly. Yeah, like they they don't want to be obvious. So Mm -hmm. they put themselves up at the forefront of like, oh, yeah, that guy's super weird. Or like, oh, I saw her or whatever. And if I put myself at the forefront, I'm like the good guy who's trying to provide info. And like, they're not going to look at me. Like, no, like we need to look at those people first. (laughs) Yeah. So the M.E. fuels his own theory about this family. He says he believes that the young boy belonged to the man's stepdaughter, who got rid of the boy because she didn't want to be found out as an unwed mother. But that lead didn't really generate any teeth because detectives closed the investigation into this couple for good once they're able to rule them out for a few reasons, but the main one being that all of the foster children who have ever been at the home were indeed accounted for. I mean, it started off pretty strong because like, I do get that back in those days, it was different and like being an unwed mother, like was just not acceptable so 
oh, totally wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you you couldn't do that. So, um, I don't know. And it also, like, everything else seems to check out, too, with, like, the, with, you know, the psychic, you know, pointing them right in that direction, like, the white bassinet, like, it just feels like that's, like, that feels like the immediate answer. And, like, it would make sense, too, also why, you know, like, all these years later, like, the the parents never came forward, right? Because, like, I can't imagine, you know, again, like, my two options at this point in this investigation are that the parents either did it, right? Because otherwise, why why wouldn't you come forward if you truly had nothing to do with it? Like, why wouldn't you have, have um, ID'd your kid or at least reported him missing at this point? And then my second theory is foster home, right? Because, you know, that would also explain why the parents didn't come forward because the parents are in, in this kid's lives. I literally can't rack my brain into any other explanation that wouldn't result in some sort of missing persons report or something. Um, and so it all seems, it all does seem to make a good amount of sense. Um, and I also, I just don't, I don't buy like the fact that like every other child was accounted for. So therefore, like they're okay. Because it's like, again, we're talking about 1950s, like there are no computers. And so, like, what, how are you keeping track of these things? Like, you know what I mean? Like, on your little notepad and like like you know like you're like you're telling me you couldn't just like erase that real quick like i don't really i don't buy that at all like that that excuse does not hold up for me yeah a hundred percent like this kid lived with somebody whether it was their biological Uh parents foster parents like grandparents like somebody had ownership of this kid and like did it or knows what happened to them mm. and or at least knows that he's missing right? yeah like somebody knows something yeah. it doesn't make any sense like i don't know like it's just it's so crazy to me like are these foster yeah. parents definitely seem sketchy suspicious to say mm-hmm. the least but yeah. i agree with you like how do you say everybody's accounted for like who is everybody like <laughs> yeah right Right. How many? Like, what is the paperwork at this time? And how do I trust that what you're telling me is actually true? Yeah. And also, so so if we if we can go back to this like stepdaughter here for a second too, because my other I like I don't I don't see how this theory makes any sense either. Because and and here's why, um, because the stepdaughter like so if like if the reason that she got rid of this kid was because she was an Udwood mother, like, didn't want anything to do with that, like, didn't want people to find out that she, you know, had a kid. Why would she wait four years to do that, too? That's my other, that's my other question. Like, if you didn't want anyone to find out that you were an unwed mother, wouldn't you get rid of it, you know, right at birth? Like, I don't understand why you waited, like, what happened to those four years? No, it doesn't make any sense. Like, the whole point is that you don't want anyone to know that you are pregnant when you aren't married. Mm. So, like, having the child for a day, even, defeats that purpose yeah yeah right well i mean unless unless like you like lock it in a, like if it was malnourished right like lock it in a closet somewhere like give it some carrots every once in a while right i mean something like oh that God, i literally can't even like process yeah. like yeah yeah let's let's not even go there actually because i don't even No, wanna... it takes me back to like the gabriel gabriel fernandez case mm. like I, that like killed yeah. me and i don't even know how i like delved into all of the details of it like the cringe like it just kills me to hear that somebody could bring a life into the world and then just yeah get rid of it yeah um yeah man i can't even like there are like uh, needless to say there are like endless possibilities i feel like to to do this but um i i do strongly believe that it ties back to either some sort of foster home even if it's not that foster home or this child's 
like biological parents in some way, shape, or form. Those are my two options. A hundred percent. Somebody birthed this kid. Somebody mm-hmm. like gave birth to this child and then either hurt it or gave mm-hmm. it to somebody who hurt it. Like somebody has to know something. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. Not enough wine in the world to make any sort of sense of this. A hundred percent. Like not enough anything to make it <laughs> yeah. make sense. Like right. gross. Well, five months after the boy's lifeless body was found tossed into the woods like a piece of trash, he was finally laid to rest with a tombstone that read, Heavenly Father, bless this unknown boy. And that's where he stayed for at least the next 40 years until police decide that it's time to make a pretty bold move. How's this working for you, Jackie? I am so... I'm I'm really actually... I'm, like, really thoroughly enjoying this rosé. I am, too. Honestly, like, if you look, like, it's... She said, I'm really enjoying this bottle. It's almost <laughs> gone. That. I told you I'm a sucker for packaging. Like, I, I <laughs> saw it in the liquor store. Like, it screamed my name, even mm-hmm. though, like, I knew what I was looking for. Like, I feel like it would have screamed my name anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my head, I was like, I feel like I'm going to like this. I should get two bottles. And I didn't because uh, well now you know where to get it so i i do i do i know exactly what liquor store sells it so yeah. thank you liam for the recommendation <laughs> i am all about expanding the wine her- the wine horizon so that's what i'm here for um i will say i do i'm really enjoying the the like i'm usually like i feel like i like bold reds and subtle whites and pinks um and so this is a very subtle pink for sure so this if that's kind of what you're you know what you're aiming for in a rosé this is definitely going to accomplish that for you because i don't like like rosés with too much fruit flavors like i'm just not i'm not about that at all a hundred percent like i'm a dry white wine girl like 90 Mm percent of the year unless it's like frozen cold outside like i might go for my red wine but like dry white wine is definitely my jam and this fits right in like i'm normally not a rosé girl but i will buy this again yeah yeah no i just i definitely like now that we're getting into like summer it's like okay time to let the rosé fly you know what i mean and like you know yes way rosé yes i was actually scared i was like he's gonna make me drink red wine in the middle of the summer like i'm so scared for this (laughs) like there's like a one month period that i drink red wine and June is not. It, so. <laughs> I am a red wine all year round kind of girl. So like, you know, like we just like, you know, we'll just have to buy two bottles the next time we hang out. You know what I mean? That's fine. So. That's fine. <laughs> like as long as it's in the winter, like I'll do both. But like in the hot months, like dry yeah. white. You know, just sum it all up. The very light wine. And in fact, it doesn't even really look too pink either, which is kind of interesting. Like it, like the visuals of it. It's- Actually, we... I'm curious, like, I don't know if it's just my video to yours, because we have different ears. Like, is mine more pink than yours? Because yours looks white. Yours is definitely more pink than mine. That's so crazy. Okay, so we have def- we have different ears, right? Okay. Yeah. Because, like, we established that from the beginning. I don't know. Yeah, they must have changed a lot, like, in that year, I guess. So. Yeah, I mean. But I'm digging it. Hopefully it tastes the same or we're drinking the same thing, but if not, <laughs> yeah. surprise. <Right>. Surprise. <laughs> All right, well, let's get back to the story because, man, this back half, crazy. Let's go for it. Ready? I'm ready. All right. 
In February 1998, the boy in the box was exhumed for the purposes of extracting DNA. Why did they decide to do that? Well, this is right about when DNA starts to really change the game when it comes to criminal investigations, specifically with cold cases. To answer your question, a woman had claimed the body in the box was her son. And so police used this as an opportunity to exhume him, to get DNA to see if she is right. They extract a sample from one of his baby teeth and compare his sample to his supposed mother, and it was unfortunately not a match, though. But because they already have this DNA sample, they were able to put him into the CODIS system. Okay, I'm sorry. This is how many years later, and you're like, oh, that might be my son? Yeah. Yeah, so true. Yeah, it's been like 40 years. Yeah, so, and I'm not sure this who this woman is or how she thinks that he's her son somehow. I did kind of get the idea, though, that, like, it was, like, more so, like, because a lot of times with these situations, like, just to give, like, a little bit of background for, like, for listeners, like, you, like, you can't just, like, go around, like, digging up bodies. You can't just go around, like, tossing DNA around like it's nothing, you know what I mean? And so, I think probably the purpose of this, I kind I, I kind of got the idea that police kind of, like, use this woman as, like, you know, potentially as, like, a little bit, like, offbeat um, to say, okay, well, we need to dig up the body so that way they could get the funding to be able to take this DNA and put it into this system because that was kind of around the time that they were like like this is kind of changing everything so okay I hope so yeah. so I'm like makes more sense how yeah. are you just like oh right <laughs> that could have been my kid that disappeared 40 years ago right like right, right let's right. find out yeah a little bit it makes me yeah I hope she doesn't have any actual kids of her own because I'm they're definitely in a closet somewhere for sure no pun intended he's like I'm a not, like, not like you with your dogs obviously yeah like, yeah yeah like we can get out of the closet totally, whatever we want to totally care for like so nourished yeah. like I'm sure they have <laughs> food and water. Like, there are snoozing right next to me, happiest dogs in the entire world. So those Williams babies, 10 out of 10, <laughs> yeah. would never hurt them, I know. <laughs> yeah, 0%. percent. Well, CODIS is, again, a game changer when it comes to criminal investigations. And this is really one of the first times I've mentioned it on this podcast. So, of course, I had to do a really deep dive for you all. So, Jackie, grab your glass, sit back, and listen to some CODIS. So, CODIS stands for Combined DNA Index System. And it is basically this giant database of DNA samples. Police agencies all across the country have access to this database and can use it to enter perpetrators or victims to see if they have a match. And there has been a direct correlation between the number of samples added into the CODIS system and the number of agencies who have reported benefiting from the information in one way or another. The system holds more than 20.4 million samples of detainees and convicted inmates. This is a huge advancement for the investigative community because not only does this system search for exact matches, but it also searches for familial matches, allowing police to close in on someone at least within an immediate family to hone in their investigation. Moving throughout the years, cases would pop up left and right across the country with the headline of cold case solved using DNA testing, giving hundreds of families new closure when it felt as though they would never get it. Yeah, this is like when I found out about this case. I mean, like Mm. this is local to me and I didn't know anything about Mm. it until they identified this child and then I kind of delved in a little bit and found out some of the information. But 
just crazy. I mean, like everyone's using ancestry and mm -hmm. all this like DNA genealogy type stuff and mm -hmm. um, realizing that they're related to a, a killer or somebody mm -hmm. who's yeah. been like unsolved missing yeah man yeah what a wake-up call right i mean yeah put in everything like right into ancestor gna and then all of a sudden you're like oh like that's who, like you know it's it, but like again like be like and i guess i should like differentiate a little bit here between like ancestor gna because that like that's how um like you know apparently i think and i don't really know too much about this like speak toffinately on it but i do know that that was somehow involved in identifying the golden gate killer um yes. and so there's that right but then there's also these other public databases too that you can just submit your DNA to just because just to help out kind of thing. Um, and that is, you know, publicly available information, you know, the, the investigators use it for whatever they want to do um, versus these private, you know, these private things that, um, you know, police have, you know, been able to subpoena for records and that kind of thing. Yeah. What is it? 23 and me, I think mm -hmm. is the one that like, I'm not trying to like out it. I mean, but I think <laughs> 23 and me, like they're catching people like this mm -hmm. off of. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. And thank yeah. God, like, I, I don't even want to, like, shout it out because, like, by all means, like, you're 23 and me and, like, mm. maybe solve a case that you don't realize yeah. that you're related to the person. Right. But well, yeah. And, you know, it's just because because, again, you know, it's it's one of those things that, like, you know, with without this kind of information, like, there are so many like cases out there that like God knows what could happen. You know what I mean? And so so I do think um, I do think it's a good advancement but like kind of again i think kind of what you're handing out there it's like you know a little like like sketchy of like okay well like where's my dna really going like did it end up helping in this case well it did actually but we'll get there a little bit later on so hold that thought jackie police end up retaining portions of the child's remains for future testing but by 2003 the case had really only remained open in name only. Police would only wipe the dust off of this case file whenever someone reached out to them with some kind of tip, no matter how big, small, or ludicrous. And that year, police end up getting another tip. It's from this woman who has only ever been identified as M. M claims that her mother is the one who killed the boy in the box back in 1957. Now, this story is a bit of a ride, so hang on, Jackie. I hope you have another glass of wine handy. This is how this story goes. She claims that in 1954, her mother bought the child from his birth parents in Cincinnati. Her mother was apparently heavily abusive and hit her kids on a regular basis, but the year leading up to this boy's death was apparently the worst of it, and it was only getting worse, too. She practically starved the boy every day, only giving him one meal per day. But the last straw for M's mom was apparently when the boy threw threw up a meal of baked beans, and she was furious about it. She started wailing on this young boy and brought him to the bathtub where she smashed his head against the tile floor over and over and over again until he died. All the while, M, who was just 13 at the time, was just sitting on the toilet watching it all happen. Afterwards, M says that her mother drove her to Philadelphia and disposed of the boy's body. I'm sorry. She bought this child and then put yeah. him through that like your kid throws up and you're furious mm -hmm. and you're banging their head against yeah like what 
Yeah, I'm like sick to my stomach just think, even thinking about that. It's a kid. Like, they literally don't know better. It's your responsibility to teach them, like, how to be, like, thriving, independent humans. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine. That's yeah. crazy. And I, I never really read anything about, like, whether or not, like, she ever hit this M person. Um, I never really read anything about that, but I can't imagine she didn't. You know? Yeah, being 13 years old and, like, watching this, like, you're still a child at that point, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, the trauma, yeah, for real. Yeah, and you either, you either become that or you mm-hmm. really push yourself to stray from that. And yeah. either way, that's a difficult place to be in. So yeah, that's sure crazy. Yeah, and I also think, like, regardless of whether or not, like, it's, like, this is the same young boy kind of thing, you know, you don't just make this kind of stuff up. Absolutely. I mean? so I'm sure even if it's not the same boy, like, we're still, like, there's possibly another child out there that did actually experience this. Oh, my God, I didn't even think of that. Like, if it's yeah. not this kid, who is it? Or did they yeah. make it up? Like, what what, is, what does it take to make something like that up? I don't like that. Well, you know, after almost 50 years of no answers in this case, police were eager to believe this story. That seemed to line up fairly well, right? The injuries, the abuse, the reason why his parents weren't claiming him, that all makes a good amount of sense, right? Police drove to Cincinnati to meet with M, who told them the story again in an interview that ended up lasting more than three hours. When they return to Philadelphia, they start combing through the story, and if they are going to settle on this theory, they need to prove it after all of these years. The investigators who put hundreds of hours into this case have earned that. The boy in the box certainly deserved that, too. But in all, they determined that M was not able to provide enough concrete details to substantiate this story. That said, she gave just enough to make it interesting, but not enough to the point that they could prove that what she was saying was at all true. Plus, M had apparently had a long history with mental disorders, and so they ultimately determined that she wasn't reliable enough to, for them to believe this story. I'm still going to go back to the fact that, like, how do you make this up? Yeah, I agree. There's something in there of her, like, that says that this happened to somebody. Yes. You either saw this happen, you heard about this happening, like, I don't know, my wildest dreams couldn't create this story. Like, yeah. somebody did this, you know something about this. Like, that's crazy. <sighs> yeah, it is. And I'm also just, like... I don't know. I go to, like, like the details do seem to make sense, right? Like, like the injuries were to the back of the head, so, like, surely if that's what was going on, like, that, like that, those injuries match up to a good amount. And then if she says that they drove to Philadelphia to dispose of the body, like, I guess, like, like, that really only points to, like, you know, to this, right? I can't imagine there are a whole bunch of other kids around that, like, died in Philadelphia, from this kind of injury. Yeah, I would have hoped that they would have connected the dots and yeah. figured out if it was a different kid. Like, Yeah, God. by now, right? Yeah, I don't know. But I, but then again, like, I'm also kind of like, okay, if she's really that kind of out there, and I, I believe I, I even read that she was in, like, like, a facility kind of thing. And so, like, then my other brain goes of, like, okay, well, maybe she just saw it in a movie kind of thing and, like, kind of pieced it together, like, saw it on the news, like, kind of pieced it together. 
you know, maybe put in a little bit of, of what maybe happened to her, you know, and, and you know, into the stories. I, I feel like there, there are a lot of options, I feel like. I guess, like, I, uh, I would like to think that if it was a movie, everybody would have mm-hmm. known and figured it out, or if it was a different case or something, but like, mm-hmm. in my head, I'm just like, this happened to someone, something yeah. happened to someone that she knew. This yeah. M, like she right. knows something. Yeah, we do need to be looking for for that too. Like, I just I feel like like there are questions there that really need to be answered. Yeah, sure. or so. to go back to what we were saying before, like people kind of insert themselves in things and bring mm-hmm. things up. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So the case really went cold for a really long time. In 2016, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children releases a forensic facial reconstruction of the child and here are Jackie I'm gonna send that one to you too if you want to see that that like I want to say that doesn't look like the same kid yeah like I don't know I get that the facial reconstructions like it can't be easy by yeah. any means, but, like... Well, so, yeah, so the picture on the left you're looking at is obviously not, like, that's, like, a done-up picture of him, right? Like, that's obviously not from, from when they found him. Yeah, but, like, the eyes of that kid, yeah. like, I don't know. That it doesn't look right. Yeah, and, like, also the picture on the right, like, kind of looks creepy. Like, yeah. Like, looks like... The one on the left looks like a real kid. Like, the one on the right yeah. is, like... Looks like a cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it also is like so nondescript at the same time. I'm like, that could literally be any blonde child. Yes. Like, I don't really know. I don't know. I don't really know. I don't know what to do with any of this. I don't know what to do with any of this, honestly. No, I'm like not thrilled with the picture of the kid. Like, I don't know. I go back to yeah. the like sketches that you see and like different homicide cases and like sometimes they're awful sometimes they turn out to be like Mm -hmm. so bad compared to what the person looks like but yeah i don't know like that one just kind of gives me like the heebie-jeebies like it's going to not look like the actual person yeah somebody could have done better i hope yeah, I agree. It, yeah, and like again, we're, we're gonna link to the, all this on our website so you can like see all of this for yourself. Well, just three years later, and more than sixty years after the boy's murder, police begin to let on some hope that they may be able to finally make some real progress because they make another move that ends up paying dividends. In 2019, police exhume the boy's body again in the hope that they can salvage even more DNA and possibly get an identification this time. I hope they did. Well, and like, you know, so just like pausing here, only so like we talked to like, because I like have done so many episodes about, um, you know, of cases where they exhume the body. Um, and every time I'm like, this is so rare, they never do that. But like, yet I've done in like probably like half my cases. Like, I just want to be, I just want to reiterate again, like, this is a very rare thing to do once, like, let alone twice. And so, like, again, like, you must be like so positive that like you have to, um, like, you have to dig up the body in order to get this kind of information that you co- that that you need to get some sort of answer here. Yeah, well you cover the stuff that like it seems like there's an answer and it's like the mm-hmm. the head scratching like 
how is this not solved kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah, it's rare that they exhume a body, but, like, they have to have a reason to do that. Like, they have yeah. to feel like there's something to uncover. Yeah. Well, and not only do they have to have a reason to do it, they have to convince a judge that there's, like, a really good reason to do it. Because, like, a judge can only, is the only person that can, like, that can say this, you can exhume this body. It's not just, like, you know, you come to an agreement with the family, which, like, obviously in this case there is none. Like, you have to go through a whole court system process to be able to get permission to do this. Um, And so to get that kind of permission, not once but twice, like, they're onto something. You know what I mean? Yeah. They feel like there's something weird happening and they have an idea. Yeah, who did it or what happened yeah. or something. Well, so this time they exhume this boy's body because DNA technology had made leaps and bounds. This was one year after the Golden Gate Killer was arrested, who was infamously identified using genetic genealogy testing. And this arrest was monumental in the investigative world, too, specifically for investigators who had spent countless nights combing through the same pages of the same cold cases over and over and over again, hoping to show shake something loose to no avail. This appeared to be the same thinking in Philadelphia. If it can work in the Golden Gate Killer case, maybe it can help them identify their child, Doe. Detectives described to CBS Philadelphia that this DNA was like confetti, and you had to piece together all of these different fragments like a Sudoku puzzle to get even one clean sample. So you can imagine that this is likely going to take some time to get it done. But guess what, Jackie? It worked. In November 2022, police let on that they have been able to identify the boy in the box using DNA and genealogical databases. I'm sorry. I just, I just can't. Like, the amount of cases that have been solved through doing this. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that they found something for this child. How did they do it? Well, in one way or another, our boy Doe's cousin uploaded their DNA to a public database. And when police got that hit, they saw that there was a familial connection between them and the boy in the box. Somehow they were able to determine that the connection was maternal. And they find that that person's mom and ask them to submit DNA too, since they would have been a first cousin to our little boy. Through that test, police were able to find the child's birth mother and got a court order for a birth certificate, which showed one child who matched the age range of our boy in the box. On December 8th, 2022, police announced publicly that the boy in the box finally has a name. He is Joseph Augustus Zarelli. He was four years old when he died, and he is the child of Augustus John Zarelli and Mary Elizabeth Plunkett, who are both dead at this point. But the testing discovered that the boy still had half-siblings who are still alive. That's so crazy. Like, so they didn't, like, report that their child was missing. So, like, who had this child the entire Mm -hmm. time is, like, where my brain goes back to. And I don't know. Like, 
I've read into this case enough that I know that all of these people, like, didn't know that they had this child, like, related yeah. to them. Like, this mm-hmm. is just, like, such a mystery for all of them. Yeah. Yeah, no, so true. It does make me wonder, like, so, like, the fact that they have two different last names, like, kind of makes me wonder if, like, they, so, like, clearly they weren't married, right? Presumably, anyways. And so, like, my mind then goes to, okay, well, maybe it was some sort of affair, that it was some sort of thing out of, again, out of wedlock kind of thing, and, like, super taboo in the 50s, right? And so... Like, evidently, maybe there was some sort of, you know, let's just, like, you know, get rid of him, put him up for adoption, you know, you know, probably, presumably. So, like, kind of like a combination of both kind of what we were talking about of, like, you know, let's just get rid of this. But then at at that point, it ends up in the foster system. And, like, you know, he just didn't really have the best experience there, evidently, had the worst experience there, right? I mean, like, that's just, we're, like, that's a theory my brain's going to right now. Yeah, so, like, in the 50s, like, obviously, you're an unwed mother, and you're having a child, like, that's super taboo, like you said. Yeah. Like, either you're gonna do it, or you're not. Like, who are you gonna give this kid to? What are you gonna do? And, like, what are their records when you give that kid up for adoption? So, um, like, if you're just gonna give that child to a family member, like, you would think there's some type of record, or somebody would have said something, but clearly... Something would have popped up, yeah, so true. You wanna think that, but at the end of the day like I can't even imagine what pressure there was at that time if you weren't an an unwed mother and so true we're pregnant like would you just give that baby to a co-worker like what would you do yeah well I don't know it's it's different now like I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I wish that we, like, knew more about these two, too. Like, like, evidently, they probably were just about the only two people in the world who who knew this child existed, right? Yeah. And so, like, and maybe, maybe not even the father, right? I mean, maybe it was just her. Maybe it was just the mom that knew that this child existed. And so, like, you know, like, it like limits it that much more but then my brain goes to to so 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 let's say she did the right thing right and she just like put it she gave it up for adoption because like you know whatever whatever it is then again my brain goes to okay well then then it has to do with the foster system that like the foster system like clearly abused him the foster system clearly you know someone in the foster system clearly um you know ended this poor boy's life and so then they would have the motive to kind of just you know like rip out that page in the book you know what i mean of of when they when the when the child was was let in you know the any record of of him ever being there like that would make a good amount of sense yeah at the end of the day somebody knows yeah, that somebody knew this, this child yeah. belonged to someone mm-hmm. and like they were the responsible like parent guardian of this child and nobody came forward yeah and you know what you bring up a really good point there because like that's the thing that like really gets me mad about this case is that somebody should have been responsible for that child in some way shape or form somebody should have been should have known where where he was if they were going off with somebody else and and, you know this is and then this is end up ended up being what happened to them like that person is just as responsible as the person who actually did it because if you are just going to you know let you you know, let it out of your mind, and then the child goes freaking missing, and the child ends up dead, and for 
60 years, you don't say anything, you're just as bad. And so, so to that point, though, kind of what you're, of what you're talking about is that if they didn't, it's just as bad. You know what I mean? Like, there's no good scenario, obviously. But like, you know, the the point um, the point that I'm trying to make here is that if there was somebody who was responsible for the child and they didn't come forward, it's just as bad as as though you know the child just slipped through the cracks somehow and nobody was responsible for the child and this still happened. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like getting hot. Yeah. Good. Good. You should. <laughs> like this is yeah. this is fucked up. Like you should. So. I don't know, like, you're having a child, you can't take care of them, you want to put them up for adoption, you want to, you know, whatever the case is, like, give them to a family member, like, whatever, like, you still know where that child is, Mm -hmm. like, you birthed them, that is Mm -hmm. your responsibility, you pass the responsibility to someone, like, you know something, like, for it to go on for a year... Mm -hmm. 40 years, 50 years. Like, are you serious? Like, somebody knows something. Like, more than somebody. Like, a lot of people know something. And I could also just, like, in a totally different vein, too, like, kind of the part that, like, gives me a little bit of hope here is, like, 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 um, the, the DNA testing, you know, part of this whole thing. Like, the number of families whose lives have been, you know, just, who have been able to let out this, like, giant breath of relief because they know something because of this kind of technology is remarkable. And so that's, that's kind of, like, the the silver lining in this entire case is that regardless of what happens, like the fact that we're able to know this child's name 65 years later is a scientific miracle in as far as I'm concerned, um, because that should not have, frankly, that, that shouldn't have been able to happen. And so I put a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of credence into the investigators, into that medical examiner who didn't let go, um, you know, who, for all the, you know, they easily could have just, you know, brush it aside, put that file up at the top, you know, put them, put the money for the testing into more recent cases, you know, cases that are more likely to be solved. And then everyone would have been happy. Um, um, but, and, you know, as far as, you know, everyone except for the, the one person who mattered, which is, you know, Joseph. Um, but, like, you know, they, they didn't have anybody, you know, pressuring them to, to solve this case because, you know, all the people who, who knew that he existed probably had something to do with him, with them murdering him. Um, so, point being is I put a lot of, a lot of, I give a lot of credit to those investigators who did not let go. Um, and I, and I'm hopeful that, you know, there are a lot of other cases out there just waiting to be solved because of this kind of technology. That's my soapbox. 100%. Like, I agree. Like, I, part of me wants to, like, go do 23andMe because, like, (laughs) if somebody related to me and, like, my deep, dark ancestry is, like, a murderer, like, a bad person, like, go get him. (laughs) The boy finally had his name given back to him. The name that was stolen from him at the end of his very short life. In January of this year, on what would have been Joseph's 70th birthday, the city revealed a tombstone at his final resting place that no longer donned America's unknown child, but instead the name that he had used for four years before he was brutally killed, Joseph Augustus Zarelli. But even though he has his name back, that's not the end of Joseph's story, and it's simply 
can't be. The person who killed Joseph still has not been identified. The Philadelphia Police Department said detectives have a pretty good idea of who is likely responsible and still have an open investigation into Joseph's death. And they are just as determined to find out who killed him as they were to find out who he is. So, if you know anything about Joseph Zarelli's death, you're asked to call the Philadelphia Police Department at 215-686-TIPS or 215-686-8477. And we are also going to put that number on our website and in our show notes, too. So, I have... I've read enough of this story that I was so excited to talk about it with you, Liam. But at the same time, like, I didn't know anything until this break where his name was discovered, like, recently, this past couple of months. So, like, they found the parents of this child. Like, they know who the parents are. And, I mean, they're dead at this point. Like, there's not anything that can be done to, like, talk to them or find out what happened to this child. But apparently, the dad didn't know that this child existed. And the mom had apparently, Mm -hmm. like, given Mm -hmm. another daughter up for adoption before this child was born. So there's just so much uncertainty. And, like, in my head... Mm -hmm. You give a child up for adoption because you're not ready. You give another child up for adoption because you're not ready. You're like, good, kudos to you for, like, taking the right step when you're not ready to raise a child. But, like, somebody took these kids. Like, somebody accepted responsibility for these children. And something happened, whether it's the person who took responsibility for the children or somebody else that they passed them to, like, Somebody has to know something, and it's, like, just so heartbreaking to think that somebody took responsibility for these kids and just, like, let this happen or did this. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and I have to imagine that, like, most of, like, the people who are supposed to be in the, like, supposed to be the adults in the room, right, are, like, probably, like, long gone at this point my guess would be only because like you know like joseph is would be 70 years old right and so like like any anyone who's old enough to hurt him probably is like 90 would be 90 plus kind of thing and so i don't know i i totally i i'm totally right there with you it just it it that's the most like frustrating part about this whole entire case is that there are so many people, you know, along the way who should have, you know, been the adults in the room. Um, and they weren't right. And so like, like regardless of, of whether they did it themselves again, like we were talking about before, regardless of whether they did it themselves or, you know, looked the other way when somebody else was doing it to them or just didn't have their eyes on these children for long enough to know that they weren't being physically abused and, possibly killed and then when that child goes missing when that child you see all the time you know goes missing and for 60 years you don't say anything evil that's evil that's the definition of evil and you know it just it like it just drives me nuts that there were no adults that had any sort of idea of who this child was enough to be able to say something and and it just that's not right that's not yeah no it's crazy this has gone on way too long like too many people like met this kid like there's no way that you hide a child like i'm sorry 
unwed mother, pregnant, I'm too young. Like, I can't hide that from everyone. <laughs> like, just, yeah. okay, so I passed the child. Yeah, how'd you even hide your, like, pregnancy? That's yeah, and question. then I passed yeah. the child to somebody else, and they're like, oh, you never even looked pregnant. Like, how, how do you hide that from so many steps? And, like, nobody realizes yeah. that, like, no, oh, the kid's gone. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't. Um, it really, really doesn't. Um, but, you know, again, we're, we're at a place where, you know, hopefully we are this close to answers. I feel like the identity is is the thing, right? Because I think that at this point, if police are out there, you know, they did this whole, you know, this whole shebang of, you know, announcing that they, ha- that they found the identity of this child, I can only imagine that they have been inundated with with people saying you know more tips more tips even if 99 percent of them are crazy it's that one right that's the only thing that you need to be like you know that you know that zarelli kid like there was something you know and so that that's all that that's that's all you need to be able to crack this thing and so i i hope they're able to do that through this whole thing i hope so literally like that one person who thinks that they shouldn't speak up might be the one person who cracks this case and yeah. figures out like yeah. whose custody that child was in because somebody had custody of yeah. that child before they died well jackie that is all that we have for you this week thank you so much for coming on as you down the rest of that wine this is why this is why i love jackie this is why we need to have her on this podcast because she just as she just emptied that glass the rest of her bottle so sure did <laughs> love that love that love that well, it was so great to have you on. So we had such a great time talking about this and catching up and doing the whole thing. We'll have to have you on again for sure. Honestly, I was like literally hoping that you would ask me to come on again because like I have <laughs> ideas for what our next case could be. Like I oh. didn't want to like push you on the first one. I'm like, you gave me this one that was like, yeah, perfect. Like this is a good idea. Like I, I like the boy in the box. Like I don't know enough about this. Like, <laughs> I'm ready to delve in, but um, I have ideas. So, like, if you want to invite me on a second time, like, let's go. We will schedule a Zoom call for sure to chat about all the ideas because I am really curious to see what's going on in that brain right now. I have a bajillion. Like, you don't understand. (laughs) Like, if I wasn't having this Zoom call with you right now, I would just be watching a different case. And not talking to you about it. So, like, I'm... This is my every night thing. Like, I drink wine. <laughs> okay. I watch true crime. So... <laughs> she's she's a true crime over whiner. Love yeah, that. like, Love if, that. if you and I are not going to talk about it, I'm just going to do it on my own. So, like... <laughs> so, may as well just, like, come on. Uh, you know, I'm looking for, like, a permanent guest, co- uh, like, a permanent co-host. Yeah, so. let me know when we have a date. Like, I... <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Let's do it. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. And thank you all so much for listening. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories too. And if you are enjoying this podcast and are just wondering how you can tell anyone and everyone about it, the best way to help people find this podcast is by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening right now. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we will see you next week for another episode of Crime Over Wine.
proud member of the Podnuga Network.